0: Welcome to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew. This is your weekend review edition of the show. Normally, I pick two to three stories I found interesting to share with y'all. Sometimes someone else joins, we give a synopsis, and give our reaction afterwards. But this week, all you saw was the situation in Afghanistan. We, and when I say we, it's you the audience, Matt will be joining me again this week, and I will not be covering that story. There's only so much information the sane human can take that we have to take a step back and remember. This is still America. There's other things that are going on here, at home. Things to look forward to and debates on other subjects we can have. That said, if you want my review or take of the situation on Afghanistan, by all means, check out the episode I put out Wednesday. I talked to a buddy of mine who was with me then. There we give our experiences, reaction, and lessons. It's called Afghanistan experiences, implosion, and lessons. You can check that out through your preferred platform you listen to the podcast from. That said, this week we talk of Joe Biden's student loan cancellation of $5.8 billion. Then we talk sports pretty much for the rest of the episode. We discuss LeBron James. Is he getting dissed by his own GMs or general managers? We talk of an NBA player pulling a Patrick Mahomes and using his money to invest towards a baseball team. And then we also talk about the NFL's crackdown of taunting. Taunting. That's right, taunting. And we also have a separate separate segment if you're interested in conversing in sports. Matt and I give our predictions for the upcoming NFL season. All this at Taboo Topic, a place where we think out loud and question the narrative. A place where free speech triumphs your safe space. Stay tuned, we're going to take a short break. Ken Drew, and what we have here is my friend Matt, who had a wonderful sleep, apparently. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm very well rested, waking up at one o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) How long did you stay up last night? I stayed up for a while. Um, Our buddy Alex Wilson uh, kicked my butt in civilization. It was bad. Really? He actually beat you? He said? he figured a way out? Yeah. I mean, I, I almost won, like, four times, but just couldn't pull through, you know? it is what it is. So, uh, he got me fair and square. So, I was up until, like, 4 a.m. yesterday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ridiculous. Gosh, I couldn't even make it past 11
0: over here, and that's central time. So, when I went yeah. to bed, it was midnight
1: over there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were up for a while, uh, but you know, I've had I've had a good first couple weeks of school, so this was uh, my happy Friday. I got to sit up and be stupid and play games like a seven year old and do absolutely nothing. So I was enjoying it. So I gotta wake back up and actually be productive today somehow.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I figured you were asleep. I texted you, and then a the
0: time like fifteen minutes passed. I'm like, this guy's. Definitely asleep. I'll just go ahead and start cleaning up my apartment. <laughs>
1: yeah, one hundred percent. So, but yeah, I'm I'm waking up still. So if I say anything too stupid, uh, uh, don't don't listen to me. Okay, <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm working on it.
0: I mean, to be fair, everyone should take what we say with a grain of salt because neither one of us are experts in these subjects. So you have that going for you. <laughs> true, 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 true. So, um. Yeah, this week was pretty hard. Obviously, with the news cycle, it was just Afghanistan. That was pretty much, like, the only thing they talked about. You had to really look for other stories. Um, mm-hmm. So, I... There's only so much you can talk about that subject where you have to take a step back and remind um, everyone that there is life happening here in the United States as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and... uh are you going to talk about that at all this week?
0: Uh, I actually did talk about it. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine on Wednesday, and I mentioned this in my intro um, that if people want to listen to my take on Afghanistan, they can just go tune into Wednesday's episode. Um, I had, yeah, it's just a buddy and I just talking about our experience while we were together over there and our take on what's going on. So, um, yeah, it's one of those subjects, like I said, where there's only so much you can talk about it, and I think the media pretty much covered every single possible base you could think of, I think anyway.
1: Mhm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. So, all right, well then, just like you, listeners, I'm going to have to go back and listen to Wednesday's episode and see what you think, and then, uneducated on the topic, me doesn't have to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Hey then.
0: Anyways, um, speaking of students and teaching and everything like that, we'll start the start off with talking about college. Um, what you may call it, the administration uh, this week canceled student loan debt up to 5.8 billion dollars. Um, to be more specific, it was only for people who are categorized as disabled per American <laughs> government, whether they're partially disabled. Or fully disabled; um, those are the people that were. Those are the student loan debts that were canceled. Um, to catch people up, this was a campaign promise he ran on canceling student loan debt. Uh, though he never was specific on who or how he'd do it, nonetheless, it was one of those things he campaigned on. One of those promises. Uh, currently, there's roughly 1.6 trillion dollars worth of student loan debt. Uh, for for the fact checkers. trillion, I just rounded it up. Anyways, um, earlier this year, he did forgive uh, $2.9 billion as well, earlier this year of student loan debt. Uh, That said, on the conservative end, it's not a popular idea. Many will say that if you sign a document stating you're gonna take out a loan, you're agreeing to pay that money back to the federal government, it is your responsibility. Um, the pull by your own bootstraps mentality, once you sign that, again, it is your responsibility. No pity for you. But I am gonna break away from the conservative circle on this one. I find myself leaning more a little bit to the left. Not by a whole lot, but I under- as I understand where they're coming from, I think there could be a compromise in this situation because yes, while it's true they signed a document stating they will pay back those loans, I know people who are still paying off student loan debt and have already exceeded the original amount they took out. via because of interest, in conjunction with inflation, they're still chained to the federal government and paying that loan back. Um, And in our generation especially, We're taught that if you don't go to college or join the military right out of high school, you're somehow inferior in society. Now granted, I think that's gonna change the next several decades. I wouldn't be surprised if tech or trade schools for that matter became the new thing. Um, There's nothing wrong with seeking a higher education, but because we associate with a four-year degree with a higher education, many teenagers and their families are pressured into going or sending their kids to college, four-year college, uh, most of them can't afford the tuition costs without taking out a loan. So I, I understand you could say nobody's forcing anyone to go to four-year university, but when you have an entire culture bombarding you from, at least from when I was growing up, elementary school, <laughs> um, with the notion, with that notion of inferiority I mentioned earlier, um, I view it as someone holding a gun to your head to do something. Technically, you don't have to do it, but if you don't, we know what happens. In this case, society looks down on you. Again, I think that's changing, but a fair, I think a fair compromise in something like this would be one. Um, you can give me your input as my idea of a compromise solution would be uh, – the first point would be forgive everyone who already paid the original amount and are still paying. They've already exceeded that amount. Um, And if they went over, they would get reimbursed as well. Um, Cancel interest rate for the student loans with a 10-year gap. So while you're in university, you don't have to worry about paying any interest until if you still haven't paid off your student loans after 10 years, then interest will start hitting you. But even then, place a cap on the interest rate so um, they don't, whatchamacallit, They don't go too wild with it. I think there's some kind of, like, limitations. Um, I think missing that payment after the student, missing that payment afterwards, I think the punishment of a crappier credit score is good enough. Um, And then grandfather those already in the student loan program or about to enter some form of higher education where they'll be required to take a loan out. Then transition within the next five to ten years to giving the loan back to the banks and, and the student loan program, federal student loan program that will force campuses to reevaluate their tuition costs and perhaps bring the prices down to a realistic one. This is that's speculation. I don't know if that's if that would actually happen, but Um, I think this serves both parties well, because conservatives get to end the federal student loan program, which I know we love and trust the federal government on our side. But we also don't disrespect the concept of paying back money you owe, because they are right in saying it is your responsibility, but at least we forgive those who have been screwed over by the system since they paid more than the original loan. I'll give the floor to you on this one now, but I know you're more familiar with this topic than I am as you went to college, and you also took federal student loans out, so I'm sure this sits home to you closer than for me. So go ahead. Um, yeah, well,
1: you know, I, I haven't watched Fox News in a very long time, but I'm going to make a safe assumption that if you turn on Fox and you start listening to the story about them canceling student debt, a lot of the anchors and analysts are going to skip over the fact that he's only doing this for people who are considered severely disabled. Um, And from what i read with this program, um, he's he's not actually changing anything. Like, if you are considered severely disabled, you could get your student loans forgived anyways. But the difference was that you had to go through a strenuous process um, and you had to prove to the federal government that you were in under, like, under the poverty line for more than three years, um, which makes sense to me. But again, what Joe Biden's done with canceling $5.8 million of student loan debt is not actually doing anything that the, uh, the federal government wouldn't do already, right? If you were considered severely disabled, there still was a path for you to get your student loans canceled Because again, those people are unable to pay, right? If they're unable to work and unable to make their money back, then there's no point in charging them interest in debts that they'll never be able to pay back anyways because they can't work. So I think that makes sense to me. Um, I understand that. Um, With uh, your interest uh, cap, 10-year cap, I think that's a great idea. Um, right, We want to encourage young people to go to college, to get an education, to try to do what they're passionate about in this country, but also do something that's going to add real value, right? Uh, go into the STEM field, get an engineering degree. Uh, we want to see more people do that. Um, so I think putting a cap on your loans makes a lot of sense because, uh, again, if someone's really trying to do what they're passionate about, make a, a company, start a... Like, do something entrepreneurial and uh, you're charging them an obscene amount of money monthly. How on earth are they ever going to be able to afford to start their own business? You know, it it doesn't make sense. The whole purpose of going to college is being able to put your foot down and do what you want with the rest of your life. So, um, that's how I look at that. But, yeah, I agree with we can't just let everyone go to college for free and not pay some sort of loan back and not understand that their education has a value to it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, again, what Biden's done right now is not any different than what the federal government was already doing. He's just basically making it easier so that he can get credit for paying off this debt instead of them having to go through the process and all the paperwork. That's all that he's doing. Um, so, I so what don't... do you know
0: about? The, so Go what ahead. do you know about the? Yeah, I was gonna say, it. what do you know about the student loan program and like, how it could screw people over, um, and how people end up paying more than the original takeout. Like, how does that happen exactly? Am well, I on the dot? Am I close? Or what's going on?
1: I mean, yeah. So, like, okay. For example, um, when I graduated. Uh, I obviously didn't have a job right out of college. Like, first day I graduated, I didn't have a job uh, yet. Um, And so I was working in a restaurant. Um, I was making a decent amount of money, but not good money. And um, I got my first interview. I was excited, super happy to go and interview for the school. It's exactly what I wanted to do. It's exactly the school I wanted to work for. And um, I didn't get the job. And so I thought to myself... And I looked at the 20,000 dollars of debt that I had just run up, and I thought, "Oh crap, how <laughs> am I going to pay this? Because if I didn't get this job, it's going to be hard for me to got a lot of the other jobs. You know like I already knew people in the job. I was like highly recommended for the job, like everything lined up. I should have been getting the job. And I didn't. And so I was like, "Oh my God, I can only picture what it feels like to be someone else who graduates." has worked really hard for the last four years to get themselves to where they want to be uh, and to get the degree. And then if there's not a job for you at the end of those four years, then yeah, you're kind of screwed. Like you're not going to be able to pay uh, minimum payments on your loans and it's going to end up uh, accumulating. And on top of that too, if you do pay minimum payments on your loans, they do not go down. The reason it's a minimum payment is because your loan is going to sit and be the same exact amount. Right. If you pay a hundred bucks, which is your minimum payment for your loan, and you have $10,000 in debt, when you're done paying that $100, you will have $10,000 in debt. And if you make another minim- minimum payment, you're going to have $10,000 in debt. It doesn't go down. You have to overpay your loans if you want them to go down. And just a lot of people wow. can't afford that. And a lot of people don't understand that too.
0: So, you wait, 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 wait. So, you, so, I could pay the bare minimum and it doesn't make a dent
1: in the amount of I owe. Now for m- most people you can if you're paying the bare minimum uh like the required amount in order for your credit score to not get dinged uh y- it's not going to make a dent in what you owe. You will still owe the same amount when you're done. And most people do not understand that. They just keep paying the minimum amount for years and years and they look and they say, "Oh my god, I'm 30 and I still have $20,000 in student debt. How did this happen?"
0: So I mean, that's
1: that's jacked up. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, that's something I think we should look into then, because if you pay a hundred dollars, you know, then it should be you owe now you owe you know nine thousand and nine hundred dollars instead of just ten thousand dollars.
1: Well, yeah, but it's it's not like a uh, it's not like a mortgage loan, right? Where they put all of the interest up front. You pay off the interest first before you even start paying into the equity of the house and owning any of the house, right? It's not mm-hmm. like that. The interest accumulates over time. So if you put a 10-year gap on it, like a 10-year stop – sorry, I said gap and that cap – you put a 10-year cap on it to where people can only rack up so much interest, then eventually as long as they keep paying, they're going to be able to pay it off. But yeah, um, you know, when you do take out a loan, you do have a four-year grace period for your initial loan. Um, Like if I took out my first uh, loan in fall of 2019 – I don't have to start paying off my loan until the fall of 2023. Uh, so it works out to where students in college aren't racking up interest as long as they have a, a um, subsidized, subsidized by the federal government. There's no interest on those, But You know, for example, like I had a semester where I couldn't afford an unsub or no, I didn't qualify for an up My single mom making like fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh the federal government looked at that and said, Oh no, you can you can afford this eight thousand dollars semester of college. (laughs) Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna help you. We're only gonna help you up to I think it was like four thousand dollars. And I had uh, saved up money from working but I still had an extra couple thousand dollars that I didn't have uh, money for I couldn't pay for and I had to pull out an unsubsidized loan in my sophomore year of college and that one's been charging interest up until when all the interest rates got uh frozen in coronavirus even while I'm in college and I'm not able to pay it back it's they still charge you uh, they still charge you interest on it uh, so you know widening the gap of who qualifies for subsidized loans, I think, would be good. Uh, and the federal government subsidizing more of these loans for middle-class families would be good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of issues with this program. Again, I think if we're just talking about the news story, like, Biden isn't doing anything different,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: The $5.8 billion is... Uh, for the disabled. That, yeah, the disabled, right? So it's almost like a non-story that people want to make a story out of it, right? The left is going to report it because they want to make him look like a godsend. The right is going to report it because they want to make him look like the, uh, disemboweler of capitalism. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, we've have a, we have a lot of conversations out of this country and I think that this could be an issue that is more partisan than people realize.
0: I mean, I definitely think, I think one of the reasons why I would agree more towards the liberal, uh, the liberals on this one is because obviously when conservatives talk about it, I've seen uh, people talk about, you know, if my grandpa grandfather gave me $20, you know, lend me $20. He's expecting me to pay that $20 back. Um, one that's talking about principle and they're not talking about interest. And then two, I mean, from what you just told me, the student loan program, if you pay, let's say a grandpa asks you to pay $5 for the bare minimum, they don't take into consideration that if you pay the $5 only, you don't make a dent in the $20 that you originally owed. Um, so I definitely think the conservative side of it, anyway have overly simplified this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and another, another thing too as well is that I am almost positive. I mean, we both agree that a lot of these tuition costs are way overpriced. Um, and so I feel like a lot of these loans, if, if the government actually took the time, or just us as a society took the time to like really evaluate, like, all right, this university is saying, you know, if you want to take this major or whatever, you have to, it's worth $20,000 of tuition. If we actually took a step back and said, is it really worth $20,000? Um, maybe it's actually worth ten thousand or five thousand. And if we actually t- did that, I think that would be also another conversation we could look into in figuring out which kind of student loans may be worth forgiving. Um, because I think these universities are scamming a lot of these people who are they're taking advantage of a culture is telling them that a you have to go to a four-year university or join the military or else you're inferior to society. And two, um, t- a lot of these people don't know like the ins and outs of the federal student loan program until afterwards. And when you're out of high school, you're not thinking about those things. You're just, you know, you just want to get that education, get, a, get that degree, get it knocked out. So you sign those papers and, you know, they get taken advantage of. And in a sense, I think it's immoral that they do that. To an extent so that's how i look at it anyway um, yeah
1: yeah I, I do think it's interesting um like i've been watching the show 30 rock a lot lately with tina fey and alec baldwin uh and it's just it's cracking me up it's great um but um he was uh, alec baldwin's like her boss and he said something about like oh i think that you could be like you've got a lot of potential and uh i think like the only thing that's missing from you is that you're not good with money, and I want to fix that. And she said something like, I paid $80,000 for a theater degree from NYU. Bad with money is my middle name, you know? <laughs> like, like, and um, <laughs> it wasn't that exactly, but it was something to the effect of that. But yeah, it's like, if someone really wants to get a theater degree, I think as a society, that's not an issue. Like, that's not something we be like, well, that's a bad degree. You shouldn't do that. But I think it's like, we should really look at how much we're charging for this type of degree, you know, and like we should really be looking at, okay, uh, how can we reasonably charge someone $40,000 to get an arts degree where there's very little promise for actual employment? They can make mm-hmm. their own job, right? They can be passionate and, you know, create their own business and demand if they want, but to actually be employed, it's going to be very difficult. How can mm-hmm. we reasonably charge that amount for this degree and then go ahead and charge the same exact amount for an engineering degree or a STEM degree? You know, right? Like, um, it's just, uh, we, we, we tell everyone all the time, right? Follow your dreams or like do, do what's going to make you happy. Do what, uh, do whatever it is that you think is going to, uh,
0: get you a job, <laughs>
1: get you a job or like get you farthest in life. Like, do follow your passions and your dreams. We always are told that as a kid. And then we graduate high school and everyone's like, welcome to the real world. You can't just do whatever you want. We all have to pay bills. And it's like, hold on, hold on. (laughs) You told me over and over again, growing up my entire life, that I could do whatever I was passionate about. And now I have to take this unforgiving loan that I'll never be able to pay back in order to do that. Like, it doesn't make sense. You know, It it doesn't add up.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Definitely, um, I guess before we go on to your story, what do you think about just kind of ending the student, federal student loan program, kind of giving that power back to the banks, kind of phasing that back to the banks within a five, ten year span.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. And um, I I think there's there's one thing that you told me about not that long ago, um, and it made a lot of sense to me. And I was like, wow, I never really thought about it like this. But, you know, let's say the government is subsidizing these loans because Know they are whatever. Uh, the government subsidizing these loans. If you're in the shoes of the university, why would you not look at your tuition prices and go, "Oh, okay. If people are going to get eight thousand dollars of free money, then that means I should be able to charge them the extra thousand dollars in their pocket. So I'm going to raise this semester's tuition to nine thousand
0: mm-hmm. dollars."
1: And so then people say, "Oh, I don't have the money for it." Hey, Gov, I need more money. So they raise their subsidized loan limit to nine thousand dollars, and If you're at a university, you can go, oh, that person still has another 1000 bucks that they saved up in their pocket, so now I can charge $10,000 for tuition, right? There's no incentive for them to drop tuition prices if the government keeps subsidizing loans. Um, So I think that um, there has to be something the government does in order to put tuition prices in check and giving out more subsidized loans is not the correct solution. Uh, It's just going to pile up more debt for everyone. But um, there is a solution somewhere. I do not know what it is. (laughs) I've not found it out. But I think the number one thing is that we have to first get tuition prices in check before we do anything else.
0: Yeah, at least reevaluate like how many, you know, the tuition costs, which schools or which programs. Is it really worth $40,000? Is it actually worth $5,000, et cetera?
1: Yeah. and before we move on, I have, I have something I wanted to throw out there. A little anecdote. Sure. Um, so I, uh, I'm talking to, uh, I teach TV production. Okay. So we make videos, we do video class. I got an arts degree, basically, multimedia production. You know, I paid the same amount as an engineer, and, you know, I'm doing what I want to do. And that's fine. You know, I found a good job with what I did. So it worked out for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But the TV production teacher at another local high school um, has a law degree could go and be a lawyer right now and she's teaching TV production and I'm talking to her I'm like so why do you do that I don't understand like you could be making so much more money somewhere else and she said well I can go make more money at a law firm or I can teach TV production for 10 years and then my student loans will be paid off and it's more profitable for her to work as a teacher for 10 years and get her loans paid off instead of actually using what she went and got her degree for and making that money it's more profitable for her to work as a teacher for 10 years, pay off her obscene amount of student loans and then hopefully go back and try to get into the law field and like that just seems so acidine to me it seems so ridiculous, you know like, I like the fact that you can do government service for X amount of years and get your loans paid off but also, like, what's the point of going and getting a law degree or going and getting a doctorate of any kind if it's cheaper for you to make $50,000 as a teacher for 10 years than to go make uh, $100,000 as a lawyer for 10 years, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: if your loans are in... So wait, it, how does
0: that work exactly? How does that work uh, for so,
1: her? so, okay, so for me, again, like, I'm at about $20,000, okay? right. Uh, if I keep teaching for ten years, then the federal government will wipe my twenty thousand dollar loan away after ten years of minimum payments. So again, I pay minimum payments for ten years. My debt is still at twenty thousand dollars, more or less. Okay? Mm-hmm. they'll wipe that debt free after ten years.
0: Working for the government's government service kind of deal.
1: Yeah. So, like, my minimum payment would be, uh, I think it's, like, $115 or something, okay? Her minimum payment on the amount of loans that she has and the debt that she has, it's probably a lot closer to, like, a three dollars to $400 payment every single month. So, if she makes that payment for 10 years while working for the government, specifically teaching... I think you can do it with other government jobs, but don't hold me to that. Uh, But 10 years of government service, it's cheaper for her to pay $300 a month for 10 years and get her debt erased than it is for her to actually go and make a good wage somewhere else.
0: Something that she wants to do.
1: Exactly. The whole reason why she went to college in the first place, right? That's just bizarre to me. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so it's like if you can charge that amount of student loans to someone to the point where it doesn't even make sense for them to go and do the job that they got this all this uh, debt for, then how – it just doesn't make sense, you know? Like what's, what's the purpose of going if you can't even do what you want to do for a reasonable amount when you're done, you know? <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I understand that. Um. Yeah, a lot of problems. Conservatives, if you're listening, all right. There's some good points liberals can make if you actually listen to them every now and then. We're not <laughs> all whiny
1: snowflakes. Just most of us, okay. <laughs>
0: Speaking of uh, whiny, I'm just kidding. Oh,
1: <laughs> Ken.
0: I had to take my LeBron James shot. Anyways, uh, so Man. you have a story with LeBron James, so I'm going to let you take the floor on
1: this one. Go ahead. <laughs> Man, you, you're hurting me today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, so, I mean, small story. Uh, but LeBron and the Lakers uh, have been getting a lot of talk about being washed up, being old, I think by age, they have the, the highest average age in the NBA. I think their average age is like 32 or something, uh, which is pretty old for an NBA team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so Disney does a yearly survey through ESPN uh, of all the GMs in the league. And uh, this year, I think, was the first survey in 14, 13 seasons that there was not a single GM that said LeBron James was the best player in the league. And, uh, man, I just feel like if you keep poking the bear and you keep uh, irritating him and telling him he can't do it, I feel like this year he's just going to come back and he's going to do it.
0: Now, you know? did they tell you why? Did they say why he didn't get a single vote?
1: I think a lot of it is the fact that he's saying as old as he is, what, he's 36 now, uh, which, yeah, you know, if you're... Quarterback, or something, you know, it's not too old. Or if you're a goaltender, that's not very old. Or uh, a baseball player, you could be 36 and probably still keeping up. But on the NBA floor with these young guys, man, 36 is, uh, you're not moving like you used to. You're not keeping up. So, uh, um, yeah, I think the GMs think that his body's starting to deteriorate and he's starting to fade. But,
0: well, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he get hurt last year?
1: Um, yeah. He uh he did have I think it was a hamstring injury. Um but everyone got hurt last year. He came back from it for the playoffs. Um mm-hmm. but
0: Oh, that's um, right, 'cause there was he was uh talking about how the NBA pretty much gave them little rusty time from the playoff bubble to the regular season just for the sake of like being a deadline, I guess, something like that, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um because they pushed back the season so far with uh, coronavirus and the bubble, um, they rushed into the next season. Most people didn't get the uh, necessary rest. So there's a lot of injuries. Anthony Davis was injured for a lot of it. Um, I think Joel B. was injured for a lot of it. Um, it was like the whole reason that Nikola Jokic, which who people did vote for him uh, as best player in the league in the survey, A lot of the reason why Nikola Jokic uh, won the MVP last year was just because he didn't get hurt all year. Uh, It made a huge impact. You know, he made a lot of money off the fact that he was one of the only star players to not get hurt. So, yeah, uh, a lot of issues with that last year. We're going to have to see what happens this year and if uh, those numbers go down and we have a nice full uh, slot of stars that are all healthy. But no talent. Yeah,
0: I mean... I think it's a fair point you make as far as just because of the shortened season, a lot of players got hurt. So LeBron James, I mean, he has, there's that. And also he is 36. So, you know, father time does catch up eventually to everyone when it comes to body and physical shape. Um, so it makes sense that he got hurt and missed time last year. Now, do you think it's a disrespect in a sense of, you should have gotten at least one vote as being considered the best player in the NBA, or do you think that was that was fair?
1: Well, I mean, you just got to think about the fact that this is this is all of the GMs, which means mm-hmm. that whoever the GM is for Los Angeles and the Lakers did not oh, vote for their own player.
0: That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Not even his own team voted for him.
1: Yeah. So ouch. uh yeah, ouch, right? Ouch indeed. So dude, I I I'm saying if I was in his shoes, i might have done the same thing cuz now he's poked the bear and uh if I'm betting on someone this year, I uh I might I might just be betting on the Lakers to win it all cuz they uh they got some new star power with Russell Westbrook who's, you know, kind of a disaster and everything, but uh <laughs> man, you you make those guys angry enough, man, they can do anything. So
0: yeah, I mean, if it was like yeah, I didn't even think about that point as far as, like, even his own team, like, didn't have his back. And, like, even if, if I was in LeBron's shoes, to be honest, the fact that my own GMs did not have my back would be enough to piss me off. It's like, oh, okay, tell mm-hmm. me how you really feel.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, but NBA season's right around the corner. I'm excited, man. It's going to be a good year. I know a lot of you guys uh, listening to this don't listen to the nba for political reasons or they don't watch because of the, uh, you know they just ideologically disagree with a lot of it but if you guys can get around it you know i mean it's it's good entertainment man games are great the value of the uh, product is going up i'm telling you man that's it's good
0: now what do you think this kind of kind of drifting a little bit from your store but still within the realms um russell westbrook obviously he got traded to the uh, Lakers and everything like that. And if you follow the NBA, anyone at all or any point before they got political, if you know Russell Westbrook, he's not necessarily known as a team player. (laughs) So how do you think the chemistry is going to work out in this situation?
1: Well, I don't think I'd say he's not a team player because he – His mentality is that he's doing what is best for the team, and he's, for the last several years, right, uh, well, again, let's go back, right? He starts off at OKC. Mm -hmm. He's got... um, Durant and James Harden. James Harden on the same team, right? And they're unable to win with those three. So Durant leaves, right? Mm -hmm. And um, James Harden leaves. And... So, uh, he's on this, he's the last man on this dying team, right? Mm-hmm. He goes to Houston, he goes to Washington, every team that he's going to, he's kind of the only man on this dying team, right? Other than his one year with Harden and Houston, where uh, it was basically the two of them just trying to fight over who got the ball. So, that wasn't good. But, this year, I think when you play with someone like LeBron, you understand, hey, I need to shut up and sit in my place and uh, play my game. So I think he's going to work out really well with the Lakers this year. I think he's been unfairly assessed as selfish, which is not who I think he is. Um, he's going to help them get rebounds because uh, right now LA is a little bit undersized at the five position, right? Anthony Davis is uh, not quite a a big, strong start center, but uh, I think he'll get them rebounds. I think he'll start initiating more offense, right, because he's replacing Dennis Truder who left. Um I I think it's going to work out. I think it's going to be beautiful. They're going to play big. They're going to play fast. They're going to play strong. And they're a bunch of washed-up old guys. So I like it.
0: So you're basically saying that they're the Spurs from the early – when Tim Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker, like, won that championship in 2014. Like, the bunch of old guys that managed to win the championship despite their age.
1: Yeah. They're like the Spurs except a lot flashier and they talk a lot more crap. That's fair. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think, and you can give me your take on this. I think if LeBron James truly wants to be in the conversation of like with with Michael Jordan, uh, he has to win this. He has to win the championship this year with Russell Westbrook, because then it shows that LeBron James has that leadership capability to like get his teammates in line and be like, "Hey, shut up." and let's do our job kind of deal. Like, what do you think about that? Because I've heard that from some sports analysts as well.
1: The fact that we even just had this conversation where we say in order for him to be in the conversation with Michael Jordan, he has to X, Y, or C." Right then, you just put him in the same conversation as Michael Jordan, right there. You know, like, you, you're already going out of your way to do it. So I know... I'll. As a huge I'm a huge LeBron fan, uh, I'll be the first to admit I don't think that he is the greatness that Michael Jordan was. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see someone quite as great as the greatness of Michael Jordan. But
0: um Do you think you know. he
1: has that drive though? I think he has a drive, one hundred percent. I mean you can't you can't look at him going to how many finals in a row and how he's had how many playoff berths on teams where it was just him putting it on his back, you know, like like, you can't look at all of what he's done already and say, oh, well, he missed this one year of the playoffs and with Russell Westbrook, so he doesn't have the drive. You know, you can't you can't just look at one year and say that, oh, well, here it is. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. You look at his resume, and yeah, he's got the drive for sure. He might not have the same record finishing in the finals and everything, uh, and there's a multitude of reasons for that. Um, but... I think saying that he doesn't have the drive because of this one year, no matter what the outcome is, it's a little bit demeaning to the legend that is LeBron.
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on this note. Um, I would definitely feel disrespected if my own GMs told me that they didn't even think I was like the best player in the NBA. I didn't get a vote from them personally, you know, that's just uh Yeah, big ouch on that I'm telling you.
1: I'm telling you, watch out this year. This man's angry. He's coming for someone.
0: (laughs) We'll see. But uh, we'll take a short break, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be back after this short break. Stay tuned. This is my friend, Matt, who came back from saying hi to his mom.
1: I love my mommy.
0: <laughs> um, how is your mom?
1: She's good. She uh, went paddleboarding this well, morning. Hmm. She did not go paddleboarding this morning. She was planning on going. But uh, we have this fun thing in Florida called Red Tide. So she saw some pictures um, once she got there. She was talking to a friend uh, who just went out to look, and uh, the entire uh, intercoastal was flooded with dead fish floating all over the water. So, that's fun. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, just nasty. So, yeah, um, we still have red tide down here. It really sucks. Um, so, she did not go paddleboarding, but other than that, she's had a good day. She's going to go lay out in the sun. So, no, nope.
0: yeah. do you mind? Doing a quick breakdown when a red tide is for those non-Floridians.
1: Yeah, okay. So, um, basically, red tide is a type of algae. Um, I can't remember the exact species of algae it is. It's called red something. It starts with a D. But it's a type of algae that um, blooms when there's a lot of chemical imbalance in the oceans. And what it does is it emits a different type of chemical that will actually kill off the population of the fish in the ocean. Uh, we see it a lot in the Gulf of Mexico because the water is, uh, and the inlets and everything is more, you know, it doesn't flow as freely as out in the Atlantic. So when we have a chemical spill, uh, like we saw how quickly the oil and the BP oil spread, uh, uh, flooded everywhere out there. Right. Um, and the Gulf of Mexico, uh, when we have these tightly compacted uh, uh, chemical uh, blooms, uh, the red tide really blossoms, and it will kill off millions and millions and millions of aquatic um, animals in the Gulf. So red tide is just a piece of algae that blossoms, uh, breeds chemicals in the water, and kills off all of the sea life.
0: Uh, Well, that's your fun fact for today, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah,
1: look into it. Uh, It's caused by... Um, poor farming practices, and also the marine biology teacher at uh, my school taught me that it's actually caused a lot by um, development and housing projects and stuff. Like, um, For example, in uh, Florida in Kissimmee, a, a city in the middle of the state, uh, people are starting to move there because they want to live near Disney and they want to uh, stay in hotels near Disney and not actually have to pay Disney hotel prices. So there's a lot of development in Kissimmee, which is right next to Lake Okeechobee, one of the largest lakes in uh, the U.S., and all of the runoff from the development in Kissimmee and the septic and the sewage and the um, everything that comes with development is running off into Lake Okeechobee, along with all the farming and everything in the middle of the state, and that's what's causing all the red tide. So, fun fact. Look it up. It's, uh, it's really bad. It's awful for the environment, and... As a Floridian it'd be cool if we uh, could do something to stop it
0: <laughs> speaking of Florida guess what this is like my this is my last weekend in Texas and by this time next week I'll probably be in Florida so fun facts as well for you yeah, yep
1: <laughs> heck yeah dude
0: just uh and I went to a birthday party yesterday at a lake and you mentioned lakes that's why I'm talking about this randomly before we get into the next topic, um, I was pretty pressured to jump into the lake even though I had no swim trunks or anything like that. I came in my jeans and my t-shirt, and I took my phone out, my wallet and stuff. like Basically, anything that was, like, I did not want ruined once I jumped in, I actually jumped in for the first time in my life with my jeans on. So, I had a good time. Both <laughs> to the story. And it takes a long time for your jeans to... Dry off afterwards. So, <laughs> very um, adventurous. Very adventurous. So, also remember that you have an extra pair of shorts because when I got back into the car later that day, I saw I had a pair of shorts in my car the whole time. I was like, wow, I couldn't just switch out my jeans for this. But, all right. Anyways, um, I'm going to let you take this lead. Um, you'll actually t- take the lead story with the Milwaukee. Bucks player buying a portion of the
1: Milwaukee Brewers.
0: Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Um, so like preface with this, the story itself is not very interesting, but I think what it means for athletes um, from a social perspective, I think it is kind of interesting. Um, so Giannis Antetokounmpo, the uh, reigning NBA finals MVP uh, is beloved in Milwaukee and he's now Part owner and the Brewers um, doesn't own enough to actually make big decisions or anything like that. But I just think it's interesting because um, man, we used to hear all these stories of players blowing out their money and they'd get to three years out of the league and they'd be broke again. They have to start making money again somehow. And now we have all these like well-spoken and educated businessmen in the NBA community and the NFL community who are actually like putting together portfolios and thinking about how they're going to spend all their money from their giant contracts. Uh, and I think it's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, Giannis is now a part owner in the um, Milwaukee Brewers. And I think it also kind of speaks to the fact that, like, MOB franchises are not the dying uh, breed that everyone kind of thinks they are. I think they're actually going to start coming back. I think baseball is going to start making a recovery with this generation. So. Yeah,
0: I think to kind of add to your point real quick, um obviously I look at it from two aspects, and I guess you brought up an interesting point about the baseball making a comeback, which I'll bring that up in a little bit, but I think about the financial aspect of it, which we both know how much I love finances, talking about finances. And I think this is a great uh a great message for not only for millennials and Generation Zers because he's basically our age more or less um, that you don't have to, just because you make you know, a bunch of money or whatever you can it means you have to spend money on boats and hoes and
1: OnlyFans you know (laughs) Um, I'm I'm so happy you know what OnlyFans is, I wasn't sure that's awesome (laughs) I'm good for you Ken (laughs)
0: listen, I know I'm not I don't live under a rock, right? I know what it
1: is. Anyways. Man, um, that should have been the story we talk about, because you heard about OnlyFans now uh, banning all pornographic I know. content. Yeah. yeah. I heard about Whoa. that, but
0: we did not touch on that. <laughs> well, we could talk about that next week, maybe. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what should we call it? Uh, yeah, so it sends a good message for our generation that, you know, you don't have to spend money on that stuff. You can actually be smart with your money and... Let your money work for you. Also, from a minority person perspective, it also sends a good message because a lot of people in our communities um, were not really taught financial education. I was lucky enough because I lived in a suburban neighborhood, predominantly white, um, that, you know, they offered that class. And I took the class and it's benefited me since and so I know stuff like the IRA and, you know, how to invest in the stock market. Um, so I, I think it sends a good message for people in the community that just be it's not necessarily sports or nothing. You can get into other fields as well, such as the corporation world. Um, and like I said a moment ago, as far as, you know, you, you can just be smart with your money. Doesn't, you don't necessarily have to spent on stupid stuff in. Also, good for him in a sense. Now he's pretty much set for life. Um, so even if he does blow like all his money just from the NBA pers- alone, he has that steady source of income coming in from the MLB, which I want to add the anecdote to what you just said as far as MLB making a comeback. We actually were talking about this earlier this week about how we thought, both thought that was going to happen because of the NFL and how many parents are pulling kids back from playing football, uh, tackle football in particular. And so I would not be surprised, at least within the next couple generations, where baseball became America's favorite pastime again um, as a result of people being more aware of the consequences of kids and people in general playing tackle football.
1: Yeah, and all the head injury and everything else. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah, I think – From what I can see in the younger generations, and again, like I work with high schoolers, so, like I know what they're into. Like the younger generations and a lot of my generation were into basketball. I think basketball is the next big boom, more so than football. I think, especially if you kids start getting pulled out of football, uh, basketball is going to be the next sport in the U.S. that really blows up and is kind of the big thing. Uh, but I think baseball's right behind it. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think one of the number one is that we have all this information on head injury and CTE and the fact that NFL players are having these late life issues and all of these mental health issues and they're having d- uh, degenerative brain diseases. So it's like as a parent, how do you sit back and say, yes, my kid can play this sport when I know that there's a pretty good chance that if they keep playing the sport for the rest of their life, that they're going to have, brain injuries, and that they're going to have uh, late-in-life issues, you know? So, um, I think that's a big thing. Um, But yeah, I think that an NBA player buying stock in an MLB team uh, definitely shows that, you know, these NBA players are not the same uh, players that we used to have, right? Um, I've been listening to stories about Len Bias. you know who Len Bias is, Ken? Uh don't think so. So, to stay away from political comments or anything else, Len Bias is a basketball player uh, who went to the University of Maryland, was one of the best college basketball players in history. Uh, in the 1981 draft, he gets selected second overall by the Boston Celtics, and on draft night, he dies from a cocaine overdose. Mm. So... I've been listening to stories from that, uh, from a podcast I've been listening to, um, but all of these older NBA players, they get into the league, they make more money than they've ever seen before, and a lot of them become addicted to drugs and to sex and to partying and to doing all these things that they've never been had access to before, and like it's really nice to see someone like Giannis, who comes from poverty, comes from nothing in Greece, had to try to work on the streets at 16 just to feed his family. Uh, he comes from nothing in Greece. He makes all of this money. He becomes one of the most beloved players in the NBA, and he actually takes his money, and he does something to buy into the community that he's been playing for. You know, like, I just think that's a really great story. I think it's really special, um, and I think he is a unbelievably special human being.
0: So, how does that connect to the story?
1: Where are you going with it? Wait, because we're talking about Giannis buying into the Brewers, Oh, I
0: see. Okay, yeah. I'm connecting the dots now. Okay, sorry. It took me a while to connect the dots. All right. Yeah. (laughs) No, I get it. Um, Yeah, and I think for the black community in particular, it's good for them to see a black man um, actually get involved in the corporate corporate world. Uh, I know that's something they talk about a lot, just not seeing a lot of uh, people, in particular black men, uh, representing the corporate world the business world the only time you ever see someone a multimillionaire for example uh, in that community is either they're an athlete or they're an entertainer which yeah i understand like he is technically he is, he did get to this position through athletics but it shows that you don't just have to have interest in sports only. You can have different interests as well. And I think that's also another difference between our generation and the previous generations, like the Michael Jordan era, uh, where they would just focus on one thing and that's it. That was the end all to all things. And now, I mean, you have like people like Cam Newton, like, yes, he's a player, he's a NFL player, but he has his own YouTube channel too as well. And that's his other source of income. But he has that interest. And Patrick Mahomes, he also has interest in baseball. And he bought, you know, a portion of the Kansas City Royals last year. What he, you like know, his that contract.
1: He got he got drafted in the MLB, with the Royals.
0: Right? Yeah, 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 crazy, right? So yeah, it's such a wild. Uh, it's definitely a sign that athletes are, you know, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that players are thinking outside the box and realize that there's more to life than just playing sports and competition um, amongst each other. So I think it's a good thing.
1: Um, So now the question is, if we start viewing athletes of all kinds, not just as athletes, but as, you know, actual like members of the business world, do they still get the same amount of respect on the social aspect? Because I know a lot of athletes don't get that respect socially where they voice their opinions, whether they be right or wrong, and they don't get the same amount of respect and command as politicians and um, uh, activists.
0: I would say I think overall, whether it's politicians or athletes, I think we've put them on a pedestal. I think because we've done that, we've hold them to these ridiculously high standards to where they can't meet and we forget that they're human and Mm -hmm. with those opinions that they may share that we disagree or agree with um, even our own opinions that we're expressing right now we forget that it's still flawed there's things that everyone could poke at our points of views all day long and as a result I think people who I don't want to say disrespect the athletes or anything like that, but I think they're coming from a place where they grew up with the concept of like, oh, athletes, they're supposed to be like, they're supposed to exemplify what it means to be a good person, in society, etc. And as soon as they disagree with something, then suddenly all hell breaks loose. Oh, you're a terrible person. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. this and that. And that goes both ways as far as both liberals and conservatives. I mean, look how the liberal media treated Tim Tebow. Um, with his when he was open about his faith,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I, you're not wrong about that.
0: And so, I think it's important to, I think we have to like reevaluate and, and stop putting so much pressure on these athletes to be like this superhuman, basically, where they can't do anything wrong and they have, there's no room for disagreement with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes with politicians as well, in a sense of they shouldn't be put on a pedestal. <laughs> um, they're immune to doing insane stupid things. I mean, everyone is and I think with the athletes getting involved in the corpor- corporate world, I think we sh- should remember that at the end of the day they're human, you know. They they're not going to know all the answers to the world's problems and they're doing the best they can from what they know from their
1: education. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna save this recording, and um, I'm gonna play it next time you make fun of LeBron. All right, we'll make sure.
0: I mean, we can still make. We give can him a break, jumps.
1: Ken. Give him a break. <laughs> <laughs> you can judge him, but give him a break. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, was a, like, that was a that was a fun like shot. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was a fun shot. Anyways. All right. So speaking of athletes and sports, we're talking a lot about sports today, guys. Um, like I said earlier, I didn't want to get too Afghanistan. It's pretty much like the main thing that was on the news cycle twenty four seven. So I wanted to yeah. really try to find something
1: new. But and and when you have a situation as sad as that one, it's like we we gotta find something that you can smile about at the end of the week. So thank you for not making me talk about Afghanistan because man, that's a tough. <laughs> it's just a tough one. It's a tough one. So I mean. Talk to me about it.
0: <laughs> it's a real sour topic for me.
1: Yeah, true. For real. Well, thank um, you for your service, by the way. Appreciate it.
0: Boy, you know me. Don't thank me for my service. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, speaking of athletes, I want to talk about this. We'll, talk, we'll stay with the NFL. Um, it's But speaking of N- the NFL, after this segment, if you like football, Matt and I will be making predictions about the upcoming season. So stay tuned for that. That said, this has caused some debate recently. The topic of taunting. This is not a new rule, but the referees have been instructed to enforce the rule of taunting, and so we've seen a lot more penalties in the preseason in that department. If a player gets two taunting penalties, they will be ejected from the game. (laughs) Um, Some of the coaches have supported this enforcement, including Riverboat Ron, or Ron Rivera, from the Washington football team, who. Apparently, they've narrowed down their team nickname to three names, which they haven't disclosed that yet. So I'm very curious to see if they'll ever disclose that.
1: It's gonna be ten years from now.
0: <laughs> we'll be eighty by the time they finally realize.
1: Um, oh, oh. Yeah, side side note: As you once you continue this, you know how Kanye West has been uh, saying he's gonna drop this album for like the past like three months or something. Are you in on this too, Ken? Do you know about this?
0: Not really. No.
1: Okay, no, actually, so, yeah, I do. I know a little bit about it. Okay, yeah, Kanye's been telling he's like saying he's gonna drop this album for the last three months. I th- I think it's gonna be an interesting bet to see if Kanye's album drops first or if we get a Washington football team name because <laughs> they're both just taking so stinking long. Oh my goodness gracious!
0: You know, I'll do an Instagram poll and. In s- and ask everyone, what's more likely to happen, Kanye West dropping his album or the Washington football team actually releasing their new nickname?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's no talent, man.
0: I'd be very interested to see that. But um, from w- what he says, he's actually in support of And some coaches have expressed this. Um, some will say, you know, Taunty gives a bad example to kids watching these athletes. Uh, from what I've seen from the fan base on social media, uh, they don't like this enforcement or this crackdown on the taunting rules. Many enjoy the taunting the players do on the field. I had mixed feelings about this. I do agree. It's not right to kick a man down when, kick a man when he's already down. You know, the whole concept of sportsmanship. At the same time, it is entertaining. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. It is entertaining to watch. Uh, C Smith would not make it in this new season. Let's just leave it at that. Um, now, you know, my apartment does think as well the general population, uh, the general population thinks is okay, taunting is okay because of social media. Uh, social media has basically normalized gloating. So when they see a player do that, we become immune to it. At the same time, it also motivates, it can motivate a player who we're being taunted at to do better. Um, and it's somewhat insulting that you're taking pity on them. Hypothetically, if you did not trash—hypothetically, right? If you didn't trash talk me or that player, which you know, when we play video games, we do it to each other all the time. It makes us try harder as a result, and you know, work on our game. Mm -hmm. So the mentality is like, if you don't want the other person taunting you, then
1: get better. Yeah, Yeah. up your game. Up your game. Yeah.
0: At the same time, I think it is a healthy debate you know, where we should cross the line. The NFL says you can get excited about a play, but you just can't do it towards the opposing team
1: or player. What do you think? Man. Okay, listen, I know I'm a liberal and everything, and I tend to have very liberal ideas, but, like, when it comes to sportsmanship and when it comes to, like, the whole generation out there of participation uh, trophy parents and stuff, they're like, Oh, we don't keep score at the little league games. We just let them play. It's like, bro, you are literally the reason why kids have such weak, fragile egos. (laughs) Why, like, why, like, one single taunt or like one single instant of getting slightly picked on, like, and this person's entire like mentality is shattered. Is because they've never had to deal with it before. So, like, okay, I understand that you don't want kids to be taunting each other when they play a sport that makes sense these are grown men these are grown men doing something that they do for a job like for example draymond green and the nba he gets paid because he is a mental nightmare to other players he psychs out the other players he is the biggest trash talker in the nba and his team benefits from it there is actual legitimate hard benefit from him trash talking other players and getting in their head so like by doing this a, you're limiting certain players' mental ability in the sport and you're limiting their impact. And then B, you're also just kind of like I don't know, you're like you're, you're giving people a cop out to be like, "Oh, this person can't play a violent sport because he's a big meanie pants." You know, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. Like if you're doing something that is like heinously offensive taunting, then yeah, obviously, that we need to have a rule against that. But they they can't like make a small joke or gesture. Like that's how these people get fans. Like that this is why people watch the sport. It's a business of entertainment. Right? If they're taunting and it's entertaining, yeah, I'm gonna watch that highlight over and over again and laugh at it. You know? Like like <laughs> it doesn't make sense from a business point of view from the NFL at all. And
0: yeah, God
1: last thing is the fact is like, dude, as the NFL, I like like we already talked about, you have so many issues with CTE, traumatic head injuries, and the medical field jumping down your throat about football is not safe for people to play. And the big point of emphasis that you're going to come out with this (laughs) season is the taunting rules. Like, yeah, okay, mental health is important, but, like, nobody's having mental health breakdowns because... No one in the NFL is having mental health breakdowns because they're being slightly taunted, you know? Like, it's just, oh, it's so acidine. I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, and I think, well, first and foremost, like, the way I also think about this as well when it comes to just trash talker or taunting in general, like, is it really taunting, like, what they do, or is just talking trash, you know? Um, and also, it limits the players to be their authentic self, to an extent.
1: Yeah, true.
0: I mean, if they're just trash talkers, I mean, and they like to get in your face, then... You know, that's just who they are.
1: <laughs> that's, that's part of their game, too, you know? Like, that's, that's how you they like, win.
0: They like to get in people's heads. And it's – in football, like any other sport, like there's a mental aspect to the game as well where they'll try to get under your skin. And it's up to you to show whether or not you have that mental strength and not let, get it, under your, not let it get under your skin. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, it's kind of taken that away as well from my perspective. Um, but also, I would say that, what you call it, yeah, I agree with you. With it, kind of feeds into like the trophy. Everyone gets a trophy, like butt hurt feelings and everything like that. But how many of the players were actually consulted about this rule? <laughs> like, how many were actually thinking, like, man? If we're gonna come up with a new rule that's beneficial to the NFL, let's actually enforce these taunting rules because our feelings are being hurt right now. Like yeah. how many players actually? How many pe- players' feelings are actually being hurt as
1: a result of this? Yeah, for uh, for it being the most conservative sports league in the USA, they that that was a very, very liberal rule that they just dropped with the taunting rule. You know, <laughs> like just, ugh, annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: not a new rule. They're just enforcing it, apparently, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even then, I mean, gosh, yeah, I don't... I would say I, I agree. I like the entertainment. It provides entertainment, and unless they're straight up, you know, being obnoxiously taunt, taunting someone where after they lost a the game kind of deal, um, they just run up and rub it in your face that you lost, like, 24-7 after you lost, I mean, then probably I could see it. I could get the sportsmanship aspect. I think that's still important of sports as well. But um, they're grown-ass men pay- getting paid millions of dollars. Let them play the game.
1: <laughs> oh, I so, agree.
0: So – With that said, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back after this short break. We'll be making our predictions for the NFL, so stay tuned. I'm your host, Ken Drew, with my trusted sidekick, Matthew C.
1: How are you? I'm doing a okay I'm ready to go. All right,
0: well... For this segment, we're going to do things a little bit different this week. We're going to take a break from exchanging stories, and we're just going to go ahead and talk some sports. So if you're, you're not into, into that, you can go ahead and sign. But uh, we're going to talk about the NFL. Uh, in exchange, I told my friend Matt, since he's into the NBA, when the NBA season starts, we'll do some NBA predictions as well. So this is going to, we're going to break it down to four categories, I think. One, two, three, four, five. No, four. So, first thing we're going to talk about is which team or teams we think are overrated. uh, Which teams we think are sleeper teams or being undervalued or underrated. Teams that are make or bust. Like, this is the year where they have to do something to prove they're legitimate. Otherwise, they're basically going to have to start from scratch, rebuild. And then players to look out for as well. So... With that said, Matthew, who do you have as the one team or several teams, if you have more than one, that you think are overrated this year?
1: Um, okay, well, here's a few things first, okay? When we said NFL predictions, I wrote down some like hard, this will happen on the state predictions, so we can do that later. But if I have to think about overrated teams right now, uh, the very first one that comes to my mind is the Rams, 100%. It's the Rams. Uh, I know everyone is still on this Sean McVay is a genius thing, but we haven't really seen that in a long time. And he straight up got outcoached by Belichick when the uh, Patriots beat them in the Super Bowl. Um, and that was the last shining moment of brilliance that we've seen from Sean McVay. It's been real rough sailing since then. Uh, I know that they upgraded in the uh, quarterback position. Uh, they got rid of Jared Goff. They filled in uh, Matt Stafford. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good pickup. But I think people think that this Matt Stafford trade is uh is the big make or break moment where now they're they're looking like a contender. And I don't see that whatsoever. Uh I think he's an upgrade, but I don't think he's as dramatic of an upgrade as people really think he is. Uh the Rams will be good. Um if I had to take uh over under on wins, I'd probably put them at about nine or ten wins so that's nine and eight ten and seven uh i think that's the kind of season they're gonna have probably make the playoffs um uh, whether it be uh, winning that division or whether it be um um doing a wild card right behind the 49ers because i think they might be one of the sleeper underrated teams this year uh but yeah i think if i had to pick one team that's overrated i'm probably leaning towards the rams that'd be my pick
0: Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Um, So I have two teams. One team is pretty obvious somewhat, and they kind of fall into my other category as well. But I'm going to throw in a real wild card, and this is probably going to blow some sports people out there, some sports minds when I say this team. But I kind of think the Chiefs are overrated.
1: What? (laughs) Really?
0: I do. and Hear me out, all right? I think Tampa Bay exposed a true weakness in the Kansas City offense last year. And this actually will go into another – and actually one of the players that I mentioned, we'll mention later in our conversation, Patrick Mahomes, he and that offense, they like to play a big ball. They like to go deep. They like to you know, get that quick touchdown. And Tampa Bay exposed that. And as a result, he didn't get a single touchdown pass in that game. So I'm not saying he's, they're not going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl. I don't think they're as big of a favorite to make it that far as many analysts and experts think.
1: Wow. wow. You uh—you you went directly against one of my four or one of my three hard predictions.
0: <laughs> yeah. One, uh, one
1: of the predictions I was going to share was that I, I think that we're going to get a Super Bowl rematch. I think Super Bowl is going to once again be Chiefs-Bucks for round two i think that's what i that's what i think who do you think is going to make the super bowl instead of the chiefs
0: so this will actually get into the other category so we'll just go ahead and go talk about make or bust team i think baltimore has a good shot um really i think think this is a make or bust year for them i think jim harbaugh is in a hot seat more than people realize um, he has only won one Super Bowl. And ever since then, every playoff game he's come, in, he's come into or competed in, he hasn't won one. And Lamar Jackson still hasn't won a playoff game yet. And so Lamar Jackson had a – he underperformed last year. So I would say that Lamar Jackson has some motivation this year. And I guess that's another reason why I guess the Chiefs, are, in my opinion, are overrated to an extent, like, I don't think they'll have that same motivation. Maybe they maybe they might. I could be wrong. Obviously, I'm flawed. I, my perspective, I could be completely off, and none of my predictions are true. But um, I think Baltimore would be a good – I think they're a legitimate contender for the Super Bowl. And I think Green Bay, as long as things, you know, things heal up with Aaron Rodgers, at least for this season, I think it'll be between – Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, and Tampa Bay. I think they'll definitely be in the NFC Championship game at the very least. Hmm. Um, so that's my prediction for, your, for what you're
1: talking about. But um, So then, my- AFC, you think Baltimore is going to be the team? Because, I mean, they do have a, a tough division. Okay, They've got the Browns, who I think are going to be dangerous this year uh they they proved that with the right head coach and the right system in place that baker mayfield can play uh nick chubb's going to be productive this year uh i think the browns are dangerous um i think the steelers are going to be much better this year assuming that ben rofflesberger is not a complete hollowed out shadow of his former self <laughs> Uh, and the Bengals, the, they didn't have a great year last year. Uh, Joe Burrow's coming off an ACL tear, but I, I think that the Bengals have a chance to come back and actually win some football games this year. So that would be my hesitation is that the Ravens are probably going to have a tough path to the Super Bowl playing the better teams because their record's going to be a, a tough one. They're, they're not going to be league leaders in the AFC. You know They've got to uh, beat Buffalo, who I think is going to be unbelievable this year. Um, I think, uh, Tennessee is going to be a tough out. They've still got to get through Kansas city. Uh, I think the chargers are going to be great this year too. Uh, you know, I, I think that Baltimore is going to have a tough time getting there this year.
0: I mean, we'll get into Odell. We'll get into Baker Mayfield in just a second. Cause it's actually one of the players that I'm going to, that's actually one of my categories as far as players to look out for. Um, actually, let's we'll go ahead and get into that since we're already on that subject. So, a few players I'm actually looking forward to seeing this year. I'm gonna put uh, two and one for this one: uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield. I'm very interested to see their chemistry because they started doing better last year. The Browns did when Baker, not Baker Mayfield, when Odell Beckham got hurt and stopped playing, and Baker Mayfield's uh, performance improved dramatically. And that's that's how they were able to make it to the AFC Championship game, so I think that's a g- very interesting take you had on the Cleveland Browns. But I think it really depends on how those two will, how those two's chemistry will work out. Um, also, and this is a little biased because I'm a Panthers fan. I'm very interested to see how Cam Newton will play this year. Uh, this is pretty much like his make or break year, as far as can he still play at a high level and be a starter in the NFL, um, especially that he has that quarterback competition that with Mac Jones that the Patriots drafted in the first round, he's going to pretty much fight for to keep his job at this point. And then Patrick Mahomes, I'm very, the overrated team Chiefs could become a contender if Patrick Mahomes actually worked on this offseason to work the small stuff, all right? Not – be so focused on playing deep balls all the time and instead just play small ball every now and then. It's okay, play small ball. Stay in the pocket. You don't have to move around to all these crazy Jesus like moments where you, you just like flip the ball as you're falling down. You manage to complete a pass kind of deal. Um, sometimes keep it simple, stupid works a lot better, you know? So if Patrick Holmes can. Improving that department, the Chiefs could very well be an illegitimate le- contender. But until I see that, to me, they're overrated. But, um, and this is the Panthers uh, fan aspect coming in. I want to see Sam Darnold. Um, hmm. I want to see how Sam Darnold plays. If it's truly an Adam G- Gacy situation where he, every Geis. quarterback, Geis. Gace. Gace. Um, every quarterback that plays under him, Uh, just has a terrible coach to work with. And by the time they leave, that's when they improve. So I'm very curious to see if Sam Donald, if that'll be the situation with him. And if he does improve, then that'll really be a real indicator as far as what kind of coach he had to work with during his first three years of the NFL, which I think Coach Rule is a much better coach than the Jets coach that they had at the time, which, Goes into my last category of my sleeper teams. I think the Patriots are going to be better this year. I think they'll be a wild card team at the very least. Um, And Carolina, all right? Now I know I'm being biased, you know, Mm Panther-biased. I don't like
1: that one. But
0: hear me out, though. Hear me out. They have a good defense, all right? They have a lot of young talent, and they were able – They showed so much promise last year that they shut out Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the second half of the game last year. And so to me, that's like a. That's showed a lot of promise. And Coach Rule is a great coach. They got a great coaching staff. They have the weapons. They have Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. They have a decent offensive line now. And so the real question is is Sam Darnold capable of at least getting those w's to get them to the
1: playoffs all right now i've got a couple things one first one is a correction i uh, i apologize i corrected you on adam gaze's name and i said guys i realized i corrected it because in 30 rock like early in the podcast i said i've been watching a lot of the head boss's name is like jack geiss or something so when you're like gaze i was like oh it's guys i know that for a fact it's not it's gaze um, so, okay my bad my bad, my <laughs> bad. okay i apologize um yeah, it's like that Uh, back of my mind ticking at me. It's, it's guys. It's guys. <laughs> it's not. Um, Okay, so that's one. Two. Um, I honestly, uh, when you said Cam Newton, I was like, what? No, get out of here. But I'm looking at the Patriots schedule right now, okay? Week one, Miami. Tough game. I think they're going to lose that game. I think Miami's going to be much better this year. So, you know, we'll see. But, you know, that, that's that's opportunity one for him. Opportunity two is the Jets. That's a golden opportunity. If he doesn't win that game, I'm all out 100%. This is his last year of his career, and he's not coming back. They've got the Saints, who have a lot of question marks. That's opportunity three. Week four against the Bucks is going to be a tough one. Week five is the Texans. Again, grand opportunity for him to take. Uh, I think he's got he's got about five weeks to show and prove that he can actually be a leader. Uh and if not, it's going to be Mac Jones time. And we're going to have to see if Mac Jones is, uh, the fit with the Patriots that a lot of, uh, New Englanders, uh, seem to think he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the opportunity is there in front of him. He's got a fairly easy beginning of the season schedule minus the bucks, uh, kind of minus the dolphins and who even knows with the saints. Um, so I think he has the opportunity in front of him, uh, but we'll just have to see with that. Um, as far as sleepers teams go, though, I think the Patriots could be a sleeper team. I don't know if I'd say they're going to be a, a wild card team because, again, they've got Buffalo, and they're going to have to play Buffalo twice. They're going to have to play Miami twice, and Buffalo is for sure their underdogs on that one, and Miami is, I think it's a 50-50 split. Either one of those two teams could come out on top on those games. Um and that's at least four games in your schedule that are really, really tough. Uh, four games that a lot of the teams don't have to play. You know, um, if they've got the Bucks on their schedule, they've got the Chargers, they've got the Browns, they've got the Falcons on their schedule. Uh, they've got some tough games ahead of them. So, you know, if, if they're going to actually make the wild card, they've got some proving to do. Um, you're talking about sleeper teams, though. And uh, mm-hmm. here's my sleeper team. Go ahead it is 100% the San Diego Chargers. Uh, their defense has flaws, right? We saw that in a lot of games last year. But Justin Herbert is the real deal. And I think if I had to pick one sleeper player, it's Justin Herbert. Uh, if he was playing all year last year, he, he would have definitely broke some rookie records. Uh, he had an unbelievable year. I think the chargers really found their arm of the future with him i think if i'm drafting in fantasy and i'm waiting to pick up my quarterback he might be someone i consider picking up uh i think the chargers offensively are going to be dangerous if nothing else Uh, they're my pick for sleeper team Uh, i'd like to see them do well this year i think they're a fun team to watch uh he's absolutely electric they don't have a super tough division minus the fact that they got to play the chiefs twice uh, you know, they can beat the Broncos. They can beat the Raiders. Uh, so I, I'd like to see the Chargers do well. I think that's a sleeper team. I think that's a good pick for a lot of weeks.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. What about the other, what was
1: it? Players to look out for? Uh, yeah. So for me, I got Justin Herbert definitely there. Um, I think that, uh, the Eagles are in a particularly interesting situation. Uh, Jalen Hurts could be a player that uh, is a good fantasy pickup. I wouldn't necessarily bet on him right away, but <laughs> you know they've they've got that oh, man. NFC East isn't also one of my predictions. Of uh, I think the NFC East is going to be just as bad, if not worse, this year. Uh, I wrote down their records. It was Washington. Washington won the division at seven and nine. Okay. If that's a division-winning team, that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Giants and Cowboys were both at 6-10. and 10, Eagles were at 4-11. and 11. Um, I think having the whole Carson Wentz situation taken care of should help the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts uh, proved that he can be a leader on this team, and I think with an extra year of experience, uh, he's going to get better this year. Uh, so I think that he is a sleeper pick for someone to uh, lead a team to uh, big games, um, Another deep sleeper, and I'm saying deep, deep, uh, what about Jameis Winston with the Saints, man? He is volatile. As a Bucks fan, I had to suffer through him <laughs> throwing 30 interceptions in a season. Uh, I'm curious, though, with this whole uh, LASIK surgery thing and the fact that he was pretty much legitimately blind playing quarterback. Uh, I don't know, man. What, what if this is his team now? And what if uh, the Saints, who they've got some weapons, man. They've got Michael Thomas out there. Uh, what, if, what if he comes back and he actually does something that no one's expecting him to? And the Saints are a good team again. Uh, losing Drew Brees is a huge question mark, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. team's going to look very different this year. But I, I think Jameis could be a legit player.
0: I mean, also another thing that Jameis has working for him is he actually had a year to take off. And mm-hmm. study one of the all time greats, Drew Brees, yeah. under the helm. And yep. I think just having that mentorship and seeing someone else do it who's done it at an elite level for so long, um, I think you he probably he definitely picked up a lot during that one year, especially under Sean Payton's system, where every year, even if they have a mediocre year or subpar year, their offense at least a top 10 offense easily every single year. Mm hmm. Um, and Jameis Winston, I would also say, even though he threw those interceptions, like he also like put up big numbers as well.
1: So yeah, and I mean the, the reason the Bucks lost a lot of those games was not because of offense; it was because they couldn't keep the ball. They kept giving it up over and over again, you know. So if mm-hmm. he can, if, even if he halves his interception count from his last year with Tampa, uh, where he throws fifteen interceptions instead of thirty then I, I think the Saints have got a dynamic offense, a great defense uh, with Cam Jordan on the line. Uh, I think they could be good. Uh, it, it's all really hinging on Jameis' performance, though.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I am cheering for him, though. I think you could tell he definitely loves the game. And for someone who actually has that passion for the game, like I actually do want to see them succeed. So I'll be rooting yeah. for Jameis Winston. But go ahead and tell me what – the predictions you were talking about that you had in mind. Go ahead, I'll, I'll
1: participate. <laughs> all right. Well, well, one was NFC being no better, maybe even worse. Um, you know, I don't. I Washington got their big quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick. C- congratulations, uh, hats off to you. Um, <laughs> hey, its Magic, get it right. fat Fitz, yeah, fits Magic. Oh, trust me, man. As a Bucks fan, he was Fitz Magic. You know, he was great. Uh, I loved watching him. He's got a swagger to him. He's a funny guy. He's nice. I wish him all the best. But man, you. How are you expecting to beat your record from the year prior going seven and nine, uh, when you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm? Like you just you can't count on him to be a solid quarterback week in and week out. He's kind of volatile, just like Jameis was. So we'll see. Uh Giants are still uh sitting on Daniel Jones. I don't see them getting any better whatsoever. Eagles might get better, right? Maybe they win s- seven or eight games this year but you know feels pretty stagnant and Cowboys who knows what the hell to expect from them with Dak Prescott man it's like is he gonna play is he not if he does play is he actually going to be the player that he once was which even at his peak was top 10 quarterback you know I don't think he was league leader best of the best but uh you know We'll see. That's my num, num- one, number one prediction is that NFC East is going to be a snooze fest. Uh, <laughs> sorry, my my girlfriend's family is actually a lot of Eagles fans. I apologize ahead of time. That is, uh, <laughs> it's a tough one. Uh, okay, so that's one, two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super Bowl rematch. I think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see the Chiefs come back. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking at the uh, AFC right now, and I, I've got to say it's either going to be the Chiefs. It's going to. Either be the Bills, or it might be the Browns. I think Baltimore would be a long shot, but I like your pick on that. That's a bold strategy. Um, but I think we're going to see an NFL, uh, a Super Bowl rematch with uh, Tampa Bay and uh, Kansas City, and I'm excited to see this one because you know the reason Tom Brady's got that greatness is that he's always looking for the next one, right? He's always looking for the next ring. And I'm curious to see with the young team and the uh, line of veterans that they got, how many of those guys have that same mentality that he has because they just won one. You know, if that team, if the Bucks are going to be as good as they were last year and make it back and win another Super Bowl, they've all got to have that Tom Brady mentality, or else it's just not going to work. You know, they're going to fall flat. So uh, I think I think we're going to see Bucks Chiefs again. But uh, if I had to put my money on a team to win this year, I think the Chiefs are going to. I think the Chiefs could end up doing it. Um, And then my third prediction. Um, I think we are going to see Justin Fields start in Chicago on week four. Um, Now, are you in on Justin Fields? you like Justin Fields?
0: I have to see him play. I haven't actually seen him play, so I can't give
1: you a, a straight answer. Well, I mean... I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure he uh, played the national title game uh, against Clemson with a broken rib, mm. and the man is an absolute monster. I mean, he's he's cut from stone. This man is an athletic beast. Uh, watching some of the preseason stuff, uh, he's able to find the open target when he needs to. He's able to scramble out of the pocket when the line breaks down. He's able to be dynamic like that. Um and honestly, Chicago has got uh, some tough games in the front. They've got uh, the Rams, who I think are a little overrated, but will still be a solid team. Uh, they got the Bengals. Uh, I think Joe Burrow's going to uh, be an interesting matchup for them to have to deal with. They've got uh, Cleveland on week three. Uh, and honestly, if they don't lose that game, I'd be pretty surprised. Uh, and week four is the Lions And I think if Annie Dalton shows three weeks in that he just isn't going to cut the mustard, then I think Chicago might pull in the air and they might put Justin Fields in week four. Uh, If I'm looking for sleeper picks, uh, once he actually gets the start and we know that he's going to be playing legitimate games, uh, I think Justin Fields is going to be a a great, great success story in Chicago. And especially for a franchise that's had storied history year after year of –
0: Picking not the having,
1: wrong guy. <laughs> picking the wrong guy in the quarterback position, right? You know, uh, they were one quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl against uh, Indy. You know, if Rex Grossman was not behind the center there, they they could have had anyone else, any other backup quarterback from any other team, and they probably <laughs> would have been able to get it done, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think Justin Fields is going to start, and I think he uh, might be a decent candidate for Rookie of the Year if he starts getting playing time.
0: Very interesting. Um, I definitely agree with you on the NFC East. I think they're definitely the weakest division in the NFL. Um, with the Eagles and Giants and Cowboys, I mean, to an extent, I kind of feel like this is a make or break year for the Cowboys with uh, Coach McCarthy as far as did he actually learn his lessons from Green Bay or is he just overrated and it was just Aaron Rodgers who won them the Super Bowl that year. Um, so the Cowboys – very interesting what well, that will happen there. Um, let's go to the AFC South real quick. We haven't talked about this. The Houston, Texas, with Deshaun Watson. Mm. Um, I'm very interested. There's question marks with that team as far as the quarterback position. I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year.
1: No, absolutely not. They are they're probably my pick for worst team in the NFL this year. Uh I, the Jets might give them a run for their money. The uh any one of the NFC East teams might give them a run for their money, and the Lions might give them a run for their money. Other than that, I think they're a pretty solid lock if you're betting on worst record in the NFL.
0: Yeah, that was giving my next question: like, who do you thought was going to have the worst record in the NFL? Like, who's going to have the team or number one pick for next year?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be the Texans. Personally, um, I just y- you take their best player. And you basically get rid of him on the field because no one is going to be watching Deshaun Watson play this year uh, until that entire controversy is lifted and until the NFL gives a judgment on his future. Um, you take their best player, you take him off the field, and what do they have? They've got JJ Watt. Uh, they've got a receiver that no one can throw to because they don't have a quarterback. You know, I mean, they just—they're a mess. They're an absolute mess.
0: Uh. Yeah, I could they've have a lot of dark clouds hanging over them. So that could all of that combined. Plus, you know, Watson I mean he's getting old too. There's only like I said earlier, like Father Time does eventually catch up to everyone. And you know, there's only so much he can do to help the team win. But that's uh
1: Well, Deshaun Watson's only twenty five.
0: Not Watson, but J. Oh, J.J.
1: Watt, Watt. Oh, I was like, it's like that man's not that old, man. I'm at J.J. Watt. Like, Watt. My bad guy. Yeah. J.J. <laughs> Watt, J. is. Old. he's 32. So, yeah, I mean, he's not quite as fast as he's still an absolute beast. But, you know.
0: And that, uh, but in that position, though, like, that's pretty old for that position. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I could see that. I could see the Texas being the worst team in the NFL where they get that number one overall pick. Um, I will say, maybe Atlanta, but at the same time, Atlanta did show improvement once they fired their coach last year, so maybe they are not, but I think there could be a potential, like, in the running for, uh, a top overall pick, which kind of brings into to my, uh Matt Ryan situation. I think this is our make-or-break
1: year for him. Yeah, well, you know, and Matt Ryan's getting older, too. Give me 10 seconds, I'll tell you just how old that is, uh, how old is Matt Ryan and you got gosh. drafted in 08 or 07. Uh, yeah, he's 36, you know? So, I mean, again, we are seeing quarterbacks play later, uh, later in their careers. Um, you know, and he's, he's got, he's got hints and notes of Tom Brady in him where he's, uh, fairly well protected and he's staying in the pocket. He's not a scrambler. He's not trying to improvise or do anything crazy. Um, But yeah, I I think Atlanta's going to be interesting because they showed promise at the end of last year. And the only real big difference for them this year is that they got rid of Julio Jones, which will be a loss. But they picked up Kyle Pitts in the draft at four. And Kyle Pitts is a fantastically athletic tight end. I mean, this man's a monster. Um, A lot of people got him being the next Travis Kelsey. You know, I, I think he's really, really good. So... I, I wouldn't put Atlanta so far down as to say they're going to be one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, I think the NFC South just has a million questions right now, uh, other than the Bucks, who are solid. Um, you know, I, I think that the NFC South minus the Bucks is going to have hints of NFC East, where we've got three out of the four teams where we just don't really know what to expect, you know? Are the Saints going to be solid at the quarterback position with Jameis Winston? Who knows? I definitely don't. Uh, are the Panthers going to be able to uh, uh, make the cut with uh, Sam Darnold? Mm-hmm. I have no idea because I never saw a moment of Sam Darnold in New York where I thought, man, if only he had a different team. I never saw that, you know? Uh, I, I don't know what kind of player he's going to be in uh, Carolina. And uh, Atlanta didn't change a whole heck of a lot other than the fact that they lost their best receiver and they replaced him with a rookie. So, you know, a lot of questions in the NFC. I don't think that Atlanta's going to be that bad, but I think that division's going to be a real scramble. I think there's going to be a lot of 1-1 splits where, you know, the Bucks might beat Atlanta twice in the year, but Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, when they, when they play each other, I think not one team is going to dominate any of the other ones. I think it's going to be a lot of 1-1 splits. Win at home, uh, lose away. I think that's going to happen a lot.
0: I was gonna say, you know, as a Bucks fan, Panthers, we give you guys a hard time every year.
1: <laughs> you do. I'm not too worried about you all right now, but you do give us a hard time for some reason. So we'll see.
0: I mean, for the Panthers, it's the Falcons. It gives us a hard time, but what you Cobb? Yeah, so I have the Falcons, Houston, and I would the Jets also probably another year where they are terrible.
1: Absolutely terrible, awful, uh, atrocious. Uh, what about Zach Wilson? Um, I I did not watch any BYU football last year. Uh, they took this kid at what? He was the second overall pick or third overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, it feels he like he seemed a, overrated, over drafted. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Um they
0: did, They were they were pissed off. They didn't get their. They didn't tank uh, good enough. If, if there's an irony to that statement, but they didn't tank far enough to where. They got Trevor Lawrence, which uh who did he get drafted by again?
1: Uh Shoot. Jaguars, who uh Yeah, think... we
0: didn't talk about him. Yeah. What do you yeah. think how he's gonna do this
1: year? I th- I think he's gonna have a very Joe Burrowesque year. Uh hopefully he stays healthy unlike Joe Burrow. Uh hopefully that line can actually give him enough protection to where he's not getting uh clobbered Russell West uh Russell uh Wilson style. Um so we'll have to see. Um I think the Jaguars are going to be a pretty pedestrian team. Uh, but probably, better than last year. Better than last year, yeah. But they're probably a 5-12, and 6-11 team. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I
0: have to remind myself it's 17
1: games this year. 17 games, 16. yep. Yep, they added an extra game. so yeah. And they um, took away one preseason game, right? Yeah, three weeks of preseason. And we're on week two right now. Games are going on right now, actually. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it'll be a little bit different, but yeah, I think the Jaguars, honestly, if I'm going to be real with you, I, I don't even think Jacksonville is forced to start Lawrence right now. Um, if you look at the numbers for Gardner Minshew, he he did not have a bad year, he, and he is a solid quarterback. He is a quarterback that could start on a couple other teams right now. Uh, so I think just to write him off and to say that Trevor Lawrence is going to start the whole year might be a uh, oversight on the talent of Gardner. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see too much of an improvement from that team. Yeah,
0: I mean, Urban Meyer is a good coach, but I don't think he's ever coached at the NFL level, so that'll be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, but I think uh, you know the number one uh, top pickup they made is uh, Tim Tebow, absolutely electric. Uh, you know, they cut uh, him.
0: Get out of here! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even oh. Urban Meyer
0: had to cut his old boy. He's like, Nah, man. Like, I like yeah. you as a person. Like. A lot of people, myself included, I like him as a person, but as a football player, I mean, if he would have transitioned to a tight end position earlier in his career, probably would have made it. But yeah, too little, too late kind of deal for him. But yeah, I,
1: I love Tim Tebow as a—he's a, just a fantastic guy. But um, yeah, you know, I—it's a—it's uh, a shame he couldn't make it. Uh, I think, All right, you uh, cheer for a guy like him for sure. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, even a liberal like me, he's got to cheer for Tim Tebow. So. Uh, yeah, I, I dig it. Um, I, I wish he would have been able to make that team, but uh, yeah, I think Jacksonville is uh, still on the path of mediocrity. And uh, that's know, an it, improvement from last year, though, too. Yeah, exactly. It's an improvement, but you know, they're improving on a position that I think they already had a decent solution for. I'm not saying that Gardner's the perfect quarterback, but. Uh, I think they already had a decent quarterback, so they're kind of just replacing it with someone who's younger and more unproven, uh, definitely more talented, but it's just, it's tough for me to look at them and say, yep, that was the issue. Now it's solved. Everything's good. It's just, I don't see that.
0: Yeah, definitely question marks in that department. Um, That other thing about that, I think the AFC South will be the AFC equivalent of the, whatchamacallit, the NFC East in a sense, like, they're not, there's really not one team that really sticks out goes like, man, that's, this team's going to be dominant or getting a lot of teams a hard time, you know?
1: I think, um, I think Tennessee's going to be good. I think that's the only team in that division that really sticks out to me as, yeah, this is the team that's going to, that's going to sweep the table on this division.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Tennessee's the one team that I think will do it. Um, but man, who did Indianapolis pick up as their quarterback? Um, a good shoot. question. I know Philip Rivers retired.
0: Oh, yeah. It had Carson Wentz, remember?
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's, that's where he went. Yeah. And then okay, he got mind. hurt. And then he got camp. hurt. Yeah, yeah, even better. Yeah. So uh, it was <laughs> like, oh, maybe this is the year that uh, Carson Wentz comes back and shows that he is a good quarterback with the Colts. And then he gets hurt. And so now it's like, okay, yeah, the Colts are... I think they have good players. And they've got a good uh, system and everything. And they're not a bad team. But... Yeah, losing Carson Wentz—it sounds kind of ridiculous to say that—that's a this huge uh, negative on them. But it's like they—I'm looking at their quarterbacks; they don't—they don't have a backup really for him, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I tough. would uh,
0: go back to your predictions and everything like that with the Cleveland Browns. I think it really depends on how well the chemistry works with Baker Mayfield and Oakdale Beckham. And I think this is like a true test to see if—if if it was just the team got in their groove because Odell Beckham just wanted the ball too much or maybe, who knows, maybe Odell Beckham Jr. matured and the coach is that good to where he's like, it's stealing this team first mentality. You know, do whatever it takes to win. Mm -hmm. In which case, I could see them make it back to the AFC Championship again. But until we see that, I don't think they'll get that far. Well, we'll see. Um, which we call it the Buffalo Bills is definitely a team. I could see make it to the AFC, uh, AFC representation in the Super Bowl. I yeah, think it very easily. Well, be the bucks and bills as much yeah. as it could be the chiefs and Tampa, et cetera. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, on the NFC side, it's going to be bucks or Packers, uh, Mm-hmm. Assuming Aaron Rodgers comes back and actually has a, uh, he has the mentality to be a winner and everything after the ridiculous offseason he just had, we'll see. Um, I think he probably has a little bit of edge and a point to prove that he deserves to get paid and he deserves uh, everything that he does, you know, being the player that he is. Uh, so he might have an edge even, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be Bucks-Packers on that side. And then I think it's going to be uh, Bills-Chiefs, maybe Browns-Chiefs.
0: Yeah, it'd be very interesting because I don't, th- at least on the NFC side, besides the Packers, it looks the only other team
1: they could think of as like a
0: true contender.
1: Um, yeah. Now, I have one team that I think is going to have another make or break year that we have not touched at all. Uh, okay. And that's the Seattle Seahawks. Um,
0: I was just thinking that, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, we look at them and they've got Russell Wilson who does not want to be there anymore. You know, he wants a better line. He wants protection. He hates getting sacked. He's the most sacked player uh, over the last several years of the NFL. <laughs> and it's crazy to think that a guy that's as elusive as a runner as he is and as fast as he is is the number one sack target. You know, So um, I think uh, the Seahawks are at a make-or-break point. Uh, Pete Carroll might be at a make-or-break point. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think he's beloved in that city. But if they don't figure out the Russell Wilson situation – Uh, we might be seeing Pete Carroll uh, take his uh, business elsewhere as well.
0: I could see that as well. Um, Russell Wilson, yeah, I feel bad for his situation. I think he doesn't deserve to be in this situation, but it is what it is kind of deal. But I could definitely see Seattle Seahawks being a make-or-break team. They did go 12-4 and last year, um, but I think they lost in the first round, if I'm not mistaken, or they lost the second round. Which one was it? Do you remember?
1: I can't remember off the top of my head, no. But I know
0: they definitely weren't. I think they actually lost to the Bucks. That's what it was. I think they lost to the Bucks in a divisional round. Yeah. Um, but another, speaking of the NFC, we,
1: we, we, I thought you said West.
0: <laughs> West, drink it now, guys, in case you missed that reference. But, anyways, um, the NFC West, one team will close this out on this team is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly would not be surprised if they made it back to the playoffs this year. I think. Nope.
1: I, I'm right there with you.
0: I they def, they had a lot of injuries going against them last year, and so they underperformed. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is as bad of a quarterback as people make him out to be. So I was really- gonna
1: say. I was gonna say, man, of all, of all the sleeper players that we talked about, I think Jimmy G is the one guy that we did not touch on because, uh, man, he he's a solid quarterback. He's got a good team behind him. He's got great players, uh, and that team is solid together. Uh, you know, like they, they play really well together. So I think Jimmy G got slept on last year because of his injury. He got forgotten about by a lot of, uh, casual fans, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think, uh, Garoppolo and the 49ers are going to have a good year, but again, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like when we look at a, uh, AFC North situation with, uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, uh, In Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, we've, we've got the Rams, we've got the Seahawks, we've got the 49ers, and even the Cardinals are not too bad. Uh, story just broken it that long ago that I think Fitzgerald, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, might be uh, retiring sooner rather than later. Um, but even without Larry, I, I think the Cardinals are a good team that are going to give everyone problems. Uh, I mean, they Padgett did Murray's finish
0: 8 8 a a last year, so exactly. they have a chance.
1: right? They have a chance, yeah. So I think the only reason I would stay away from picking the 49ers to win that division or uh, to make the playoffs, which I think they're going to make the playoffs, but the only reason I would stay away is that uh, they've got a real tough division. But I mean, yeah, you're looking at the NFC right now, and it's like if you've got two wild card slots, they might both come from the NFC West, unless you think that the Bears could take one of the wild card spots or you think an NFC South team could take a wild card spot? Uh, it might be two NFC West teams that get the uh, wild card spots. Uh, if I had to take a stab at it right now, I'd say Niners are probably going to win their division, uh, and if they don't, the two wild card spots are going to be going to uh, Seattle and LA. That, that I think that's what's probably going to happen. I could see that.
0: Um, I would probably say for the NFC West, I think the sure team. I'll actually go with the Seahawks and win the NFC West Um, just because they have that continuity already, even though they have that turmoil going on within the organization with Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is going to have extra juice to prove to his uh, doubters that he is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, Because I think at one point last year, people were talking about him being an MVP candidate. And then they started struggling with, and it's really their offensive line. Like they just do him no justice for the poor man.
1: (laughs) No, man, it's tough.
0: And so he's always running around. So definitely on the lookout for that. If you're an NFL or just a sports fan in general, and just enjoy this kind of conversation. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do our conversation. If you stay tuned, I'll go ahead and close up the show up. But until then, Stay tuned. Thank you, Matt, for joining. Wow. We talked
1: for a while. That was good. Thanks, Ken. Take care.
0: And I want to thank again everyone for tuning into today's episode. If you actually managed to... Finish through the episode with all our conversations regarding sports. Congratulations, you made it through. And thank you for staying tuned. With that said, please leave a review to my w- platform and listen to this podcast from, whether it's from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, hopefully it's a 5-star. But if it's anything below a 5, by all means, let me know so I can better serve you. Also, a reminder to everyone, you can read future newsletters by typing in the URL at Kenjin296.substack.com. I repeat, Kenjin296.substack.com. Spell the word engine. Put the letter K in front of the word engine. Then you get Kenjin296.substack.com. Also, follow me on Instagram by typing in Kenjin underscore express. I repeat, Kenjin underscore express. And then last but not least, follow me on Facebook but just by typing in Taboo Topic. Look for the logo that says Odyssey equals understanding thank you again everyone for tuning into today's episode and also i want to let everyone know that next week i'll be taking the week off i've got travels to do if you heard in the today's episode i am in the process of moving so there won't be another episode until not this upcoming wednesday but the wednesday after that and i'll be in florida with that said everyone until then i'll see you next time